0: Why do you witness? I mean seriously, why do you share the gospel? Are the end times scaring you into it? Are you like Coolridge's Mariner trying to absolve some guilt? Or are you like a man who loves his family that he can't stop talking about them, he shows you pictures of his children? Perhaps like the lady who can't stop talking about the joys of scrapbooking or any of the other hobbies? Or maybe like a food lover who just always talks about food, sometimes endlessly, Or perhaps, like our producer. He loves talking about the Gracelink felt iPad app because he has seen how that makes a difference. And he loves creating content that makes a positive difference. Not a plug, just an example. The commonality is that these people love what they're doing. Similarly, the love for God is what should propel us into ministry. It isn't about the numbers. It isn't about the meetings. And it shouldn't be about anything but for the grace of God and sharing that grace with everyone else. I'm Micah Mueller and this is Sabbath School University. Offering information for your mind. Enabling transformation for your heart. Sabbath School U. A weekly dialogue exploring God's Word and its application for today's world. Welcome back to Sabbath School University and we have an exciting topic. We're in the middle of a study on Thessalonians and so we'll get into a chapter 2 of 1 Thessalonians today and we have a group of people here with us, some guests, some old-time veterans as well share with us a little bit about yourself
1: um hello my name is nathaniel uh i've been studying um theology trying to earn my bachelor's at Andrews university very good you're a veteran from here um and i've been, been on the show a couple of times i love studying at Sabbath school mm-hmm. u it's every time they ask me um i try to find a way to fit into my schedule to come on here that's amazing and we're glad
0: to have you
2: i'm christina and i just recently got engaged so that's kind of been consuming all of my time that and is exciting. Uh, yeah. I'm from Minnesota originally but I'm moving to Canada so I'm giving up my US citizenship to go and move to Canada So very good it's exciting
0: that is exciting you're used to the cold weather I guess from Minnesota so right. it's not that big of a <laughs> Yeah.
3: and my name is Autumn and I am working on my master's here at Andrews in education so the plan is to be next, done next summer if everything works
0: out. Very good. That was our long-range plans, but that's <laughs> good to have yeah. plans. <laughs> very good. We have an exciting topic today and one that is very relevant to, to our world that we live in today, not just the world of back then, of Paul's time, but also of today. What would you say is evidence of how God has led you and changed your life? Um, you know, one of the big things for
1: me is that I wasn't always a Christian. So it's not like I just wake up in the morning and say, hey, um, I think I'm going to be a Christian today. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm just going to start reading this book, and it's just going to change my life. I was very skeptical. I started reading it. And then I noticed that I've read lots of other books that talk about being a good person or doing good things, but it wouldn't change me. But when I would read this, it changed me. So um, I just look back the way I thought my thought patterns were before very self-centered and selfish to after spending time in the Bible to caring about others and even to the point that I'm putting them before me so these these two thought patterns are completely different it completely changed me
0: thank you for for sharing something very personal
2: for me I'm um, I'm kind of an Adventist of the Adventist so I've been I grew up in the church and I went to all the programs and different things like that so a lot of people would say oh God's working in your life but I had an amazing experience. I was at the Generation Youth for Christ um, meeting a couple years back, and they made a call to be a long-term, long-term missionary. And I thought, well, maybe I should go, but I hate altar calls. You know, the music was playing and all that kind of <laughs> stuff. And I was like, the do I really want to go? Yeah, do I really want to go or do I just feel like my emotions are telling me to? So I waited and I kind of ran like Jonah did and the next day after the conference ended I got a phone call and it was Paul Howe who is the administrator of Gimby Avenis Hospital in Ethiopia he was like I don't remember exactly what he said but he said you know Christina McNeilis we need you in Ethiopia click that's kinda of like he probably said more than that but that's, that's what I got from it just the gist and and I was I was like okay God you're telling me that I need to go so I prayed about it for a week and then I went and um, when I went there, like I, you know, you, I arrived in Addis and then we drove on this like horrible bumpy road for 10 hours, like one restroom break, it's kind of like find your next tree. It was not ide- the ideal situation and then they, they brought me to my room and I called it the dungeon because... It was like this uh, really like wet and damp because it was a rainy season and the sheets were damp and there was a rat running around. There was mold growing up on the wall and my window, I had a tiny little window, had bars on it like a gel. And I remember just bawling and I couldn't call home and I wasn't around my family and it was just horrible. Like the situation was awful. Like you could hear yelling and screaming and wailing from someone passing away in the hospital because I lived on the compound there. And I remember just saying, Okay, God, it's me and you. Like, I have nothing really that could help me around here. I don't have the internet that makes, you know, like I can't I can't tweet or go on Facebook or you know, all those things that kinda of make you feel good as a person. Mm-hmm. And so I said, I'm just gonna give hundred and ten percent to you. Mm-hmm. And they had always talked about, oh, you gotta give all, you know, you gotta give yourself like daily and that kind of stuff. And I think it, through my Christian walk, I would wake up and I'd be like, okay, God, I'm going to serve you today. And then I would be me, 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 I'm going to do this, da, da, da. And at the end, I'd be like, thank you, God, for being with me today. And then I'd go to bed. And it was just kind of this generic fluff that I had my whole life. And, and this, was, this evidence was something that was real. It was something that was raw. And it was just like this unbelievable experience where like, okay, it's only me and you, God. Mm-hmm. What do you want from my life? And it changed me. Forever. Yeah.
0: And you're here to tell the story. Yeah. You're still alive. Yeah. She's didn't eat me alive
3: her dungeon. I think for me it's one of those events where, you know, sometimes in the Christian life you can see a dramatic event that you say, at this point in my life, God spoke to me. I think both Nate and Christina have seen that. For me I think it was more something of kind of this maybe more imperceptible growth that happens in your life and sometimes you get to a point where you're thinking did I change? Like, did did I have an experience with God? Because it's not one of those earth-shattering events that you go back and you say, yeah, wow, I can see this. But for me, it's coming to a point where you look back at your past and you think, oh, wow, I am different. I didn't notice the processes I was going through. But when I look back at, like I just went through one of these recently of, responding in a very different way than I ever have in the past and someone actually called me out on it and they're like Autumn you're you're not responding how you normally do to this like what what is different about you and when I started analyzing it I was like oh I guess that's true you know before I would have responded in this probably not so so Christ like fashion But I didn't realize the change that had happened into me until I was able to look back at my past experience and be able to see that God did change a heart. Mm -hmm. So I don't think we can get discouraged. Like it's great when we have experiences like that. And Mm -hmm. sometimes I wish I had more of those so I could talk about them, but it's also just experiencing what God is doing slowly as I I grow in my walk with Him. Mm -hmm.
0: Sometimes we, it's wonderful to have great moments of, of change, but sometimes it's also the very small things that, that happen on a daily basis. I think for me, there are kind of two things, and they both reflect one of those and one of those experiences. <laughs> um, I and me and my brother, we didn't get along very well as long as I lived at home. Um, we get along great now, mm-hmm. but we used to kill each other. Um, just, uh, we would be physical, to the point that somebody just physically couldn't hit anymore, just was so tired of So we'd get into some rough fights, and um, and it was around my baptism that something changed, and I became more patient. Mm -hmm. Instead of becoming aggressive, I was patient, and that was something that I couldn't attribute even to myself. I noticed that in myself. It wasn't just other people, but it was also other people that noticed. I'm responding more patiently to the taunting or flaunting Mm -hmm. that he did and and I wouldn't provoke a situation anymore. And that was a direct change that I noticed and something that I said, well, that God did something for me. Maybe he needs to do it again, but uh, I think we never quite lose learning those experiences. And the other thing was a shift in thinking and uh, abstract this abstracting there's some practical things and then there's sometimes these abstract things of how do you think about the world how do you think of, of how things fit together and that has been something that has changed slowly and I look back and I'm like I wouldn't want to live any other way than with the worldview that that I can read or I extract from the Bible and uh, that is a very abstract thing mm-hmm. but it's also one that gives me a lot more power mm. uh, for the long run mm-hmm. those moments of great things they come and they go but these big things that's kind of what Paul was dealing with when he talks to the, to the Thessalonians. And we're gonna look at chapter 2 today. What are the things that you kind of saw that are important in, in chapter 2 that deal with the, the ministry?
1: Have we prayed before we
0: got into the... before we get into the Scriptures? Have we prayed yet? Autumn, would you read our key passage for today and pray with us as we uh, dive into the Word?
3: Sure. Our key text is taken from 1 Thessalonians, chapter 2 and verse 4 says, but as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, even so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God who tests our hearts. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, so much for this time that the four of us can gather together to study your word. I'm grateful, Lord, that you have written within the pages of this scripture things that can help us in our walk with you to grow closer to you. And I pray that you'll send the Holy Spirit now to direct our minds, to guide our conversation, that we might leave this time together feeling that we've been in your presence and have learned something to be able to, to be of ministry to someone else. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness and your love. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.
0: Thank you very much. Paul talks about his ministry and shares some lessons from his ministry in the book of 1 Thessalonians. Um, What are some of the things that you took out of the chapter that we're dealing with, chapter 2?
3: The first one that came for me was when you look at this context, especially verses 1 through 12, we just read the the passage of what drove Paul in his ministry that he has been entrusted with the gospel and that's why he speaks it but i think it's interesting the the two passages of scripture that are directly before that and after that cuz he starts it off with all the trials and the hardships and the troubles that he went through so he's definitely not sharing the scriptures because of any great thing that has happened to him you know he's just gone through all of this difficulty but he says it doesn't matter what i've come from or the difficulty that i've had or the troubles but I want to be able to share and minister to you because I've been entrusted with something special and I wanna give that to you. But then he ends the the last part of this um, passage right after verse four from five through 12, he talks about more of his, his love and his affection and his longing for the Thessalonian believers. So it's almost as if Paul is driven not just because he's been entrusted with the gospel, but because he loves these people. He wants to give them something special. So he takes that charge and says, I don't care if I've gone through hardships, I love you. And that's why I'm gonna to minister to you and, and write everything that I have in the scripture.
1: Hmm. I also find it's interesting that Paul in like basically verses four through six, he's kind of saying, you know, he just talked about the trials and then he's going in and he's saying, listen, we're not doing it to please people. We're not Mm -hmm. using flattering words. We're not trying to cover up, you know, um, being covetousness or being greedy. Um, and We're not seeking glory. He's going through this, it just makes sense. If you're going through all this tough time, he's like, why would we be doing all this just to please some people? Mm -hmm. Why are we getting persecuted? If we wanted to please people, we wouldn't be be getting persecuted. And I think sometimes we have to remember, um, like people, ministers, whether it's a pastor or an elder, Their job in the church is not to make us feel good all the time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like it is, they're they're to minister, but I think sometimes we want a minister that agrees with everything that we already Mm -hmm. think. Then Mm -hmm. why are we paying? Why why do they have a job? If they are just to affirm us and stuff that we already think, then they're not helping us to grow. Mm -hmm. You know, they're not challenging us. So sometimes this, and they're not always right, but disagreement isn't bad. Getting challenged on a position from someone that's been studying their Bible for, you know, for years and digging deep into it and saying, hey, have you thought about it this way? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They might even be wrong, but it's going to challenge us to get back into the scriptures and to study it for ourselves. We don't need people and ministers that are just telling us what we've already heard our whole life. Mm We need ministers who are going to dig in the Word, pray to God, and point out our sins, mm-hmm. and point out the direction we need to go.
0: I think you're absolutely right. We sometimes, I got a call the other day from somebody. I have this conflict with somebody. This is what I did. Tell me that I'm right. I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, I haven't heard the other side of the story. Well, but you have to say something. No, I'm not going to say something. We just want to hear what we want to hear. Yeah, and
1: I think it's just really dangerous because um, I don't want to. I don't want to be told that I'm right all the time. That's not good for me. Mm-hmm. I'm already cocky enough. You know, I'm already conceited enough. I don't want to be petted in that. You know, I realize that I don't need someone to like just. Oh, you're always right, Nathaniel. That is not what I need. That is absolutely not what I need.
2: Mm-hmm. And I think too, going off of what uh, you were saying, is that the youth, kind of, it's almost like the leaders in different ministries and that kind of stuff, they think that, okay, this is what they need. This is what they want. Mm. And so we, we get like kind of put into this box. Like They want to be entertained and they want to feel good and all this kind of stuff. And if we look at what Paul was doing, like he was talking to them because they were zealous and they were bold and they wanted to go back to the Bible. And I think too often we're spoon-fed HERE YOU GO, THIS IS WHAT YOU WANT, Mm -hmm. AND I THINK WHAT'S SO neat ABOUT THE THESSALONIANS IS THAT THEIR CHURCH IS THAT THEY WANTED SOMETHING REAL. THEY WERE LOOKING FOR THAT, THEY WERE PASSIONATE ABOUT IT. I KNOW IN ACTS OF THE APOSTLES, uh, MRS. WHITE SAYS THAT THEY WERE were ZEALOUS Mm -hmm. TO WITNESS. SO THESE ARE PASSIONATE PEOPLE AND THEY'RE READY, AND THEY DON'T WANT SOME COOKIE-CUTTER ANSWER OR SOME LIKE LITTLE STEREOTYPE BOX. THEY WANT SOMETHING MORE. THEY WANT SOMETHING BIGGER. THEY WANT SOMETHING DEEPER. AND THAT'S WHAT HE'S ADDRESSING. AND I LOVE THAT IN uh, VERSE 2 HE SAYS, BE BOLD. AND I love, the, I LOVE THE PHRASE OF ENTRUSTED, THAT HE'S ENTRUSTING THEM WITH, like, YOU KNOW, GIVING RESPONSIBILITY. Yeah. Like, I THINK THAT'S REALLY IMPORTANT, ESPECIALLY FOR YOUNG PEOPLE. YOU KNOW, YOU HAVE A RESPONSIBILITY TO GOD. YOU'VE BEEN ENTRUSTED WITH THIS, NOT TO JUST SIT BACK and be entertained.
0: I've heard that very often, don't give young people anything, they don't have enough wisdom. Right. And yet all great movements of history and of our church as well have begun by teenagers. Mm-hmm. No, give them give them a lot of uh, stuff. To give just a little bit of background, the, the Thessalonians, they had all these charlatans passing through, and we now have a lot of charlatans back then. And. Much like the Wild West, somebody comes into town and sells you some little flask and in it is the magic potion that will heal you from all your sicknesses. Mm -hmm. And people flock to it and buy it. And these are people that sell goods for their own enrichment. And Paul is saying, I'm not Mm -hmm. one of those. Mm -hmm. This is not about me. It's all about God. And that changes the whole dynamic. Mm -hmm. And look at what I've gone through. I didn't get any benefit out of it. I've actually lost out of it on a scale of of how things work in life and what we think is great and what Mm -hmm. isn't. And he says it doesn't matter,
1: just Mm -hmm. like you said. It's so important that um, we look at Paul and try to be like him because um, we can do that in the church. I mean, why do we want to lead out in song service? Why do we want to teach Sabbath school? Why do we want to preach? Is it because we feel the burden of God that he's telling us to do that? or maybe is there some other benefit Mm -hmm. you know we can you get up front in people and they give you attention and human beings enjoy that Mm -hmm. so I think we always need to check why am I doing the things that I'm doing you know there's Mm -hmm. I remember there's a deacon at one of the churches and all he cared about was making sure the making sure the church ran making sure it was open making sure that the sermons got recorded making sure the audio was levels were adjusted right and he didn't he never wanted to be up front and sometimes I thought that man is more of a Christian than me who gets to be up front and gets praised for what I'm doing, but he never does. Mm -hmm. And so I think sometimes we just need to look at Paul and read what he did and say, when I do ministry, is my my motive for gain or is it for others? Is it for Christ? Is it for God? And so I think we really need to check ourselves and look at and compare ourselves with Paul and see, wow, Paul was being led by God, am I?
3: Mm And I think to go off of that, Nate is talking about why does Paul do ministry? Why should we do ministry? And I think it's also important to think, how do we do ministry? You know, I think when you look at the example here of Paul throughout Thessalonians, you know, he has to give some some charges against the Thessalonians for what they were doing. But he, he begins his his section of describing for them his love and his, his want to see them to grow. And I think for me, anyways, it's easier for me to take reproof and instruction from someone that I know really loves me because I realize mm-hmm. they're doing it because they want to see me grow. They want me, they want me to, to have a closer experience with Christ. It's not to, you know, let's see, you know, if I can mm-hmm. squish you, you know, with telling you all the bad things you're doing. It's not like that. Mm-hmm. And I think the approach of how, we're, how we conduct ministry really will have a telling influence on, on how a person is going to respond to that, whether we show them Christ's love through it or not.
0: What, what would you say, I think those are important elements and we need to dive deeper in that, what are the things that that people should have, possess, uh, that that want to be ministers, that want to be involved, that want to go out, what, what would be the things that we should look for?
2: Well, I love reading about Hudson Taylor, you know, one of our great pioneer um, min- ministers and I was, I was reading about him and one thing that he says, one of his famous quotes is, go forward kneeling. Hmm. And I think so often prayer gets left out of it. It's like we think that we need to have like these 10 points and we have this process that we need to do and we need to put it in this committee to go to that committee to do this before you do something. And he was all about prayer. Mm. And uh, you know, there's a story about him that he led, I, I don't know, 10, you know, tons, tons of people to church and tons of people to God. And at the end of the day, he he would say, you know, God, what's wrong with me? What stood between me and you that you did not allow more people to come? And instead of going back and being like, oh, today we baptized 120 people and hurrah, he was like, why not 121? And I think, I just love that earnestness. And I love the fact that he was all about prayer. And I think in today's society, we're lacking in that prayer. Mm. And another thing was is that he didn't wait for all his funds and everything to kind of come through and for it to be politically correct and for everyone to say it was okay. Like he went and he and he didn't have any tools and programs or anything like that. He went with his Bible and he went with prayer and faith. And I think that's what we're lacking is kind of that raw grassroots going out and doing it. And I think what's so neat about young people is that we can do it. And if we make mistakes, we'll try something else. Or if it doesn't work, we can kind of pick it ourselves up and go at it again. And I think that we shouldn't be limited by kind of the protocol, mm-hmm. so to speak.
1: I also think that we have to um, be willing to do what God wants and not what mm-hmm. we want mm-hmm. and not okay. want reward. Like there's, you know we're studying theology, we want to be hired and become a pastor but it comes to the point, am am I gonna pastor even if I don't get hired? Am I gonna pastor if I have to work um, at a grocery store, if I have to work in a restaurant or am I still gonna have that pastor heart, am I still the training that I've had um, you know my friends that are you know studying theology are we gonna be pastors whether or not we get a paycheck, Mm -hmm. whether or not we get to be in front Mm -hmm. I I think one of the qualities is that you're gonna do it because it comes from God's love within, mm-hmm. and then you don't have to get paid, you don't have to get recognition, you don't have to get honor, you don't have to get a title, you do it, and you don't have to do it. You don't, You can just do it like to the person that you meet at the grocery store, the person that you meet at the restaurant. You can minister to them. If it's God's love coming out of your heart to them, you don't need them to even say thank you. I'm, I was just talking to a student, mm-hmm. and he said, thank you for blessing me. And I said no, thank you, because I prayed that I'd bless someone today, and you're an answer mm-hmm. to prayer. And they're like, and I said, me helping you is probably helping me then more than I helped you, because I need to help people, because I'm so I'm so selfish. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he was just like, wow, mm-hmm. you know. And I was, that's what it's about. Mm-hmm. The reward then isn't its pure. It's like the love of God in your heart, and you don't need someone to say, oh, you blessed me. I didn't need that, because mm-hmm. I left feeling that we connected and that. I did something for God, and I didn't need someone to tell me that. And that was like, that's what ministry should be about. And it was a rebuke to me for even wanting or worrying about whether or not I get hired. I want to minister wherever I am. And if I have to work for the garbage company, then I want to minister there and take my theological training to the garbage, you know, (laughs) to the people, the garbage men, you know, they need it too. And if God chooses to put me into ministry, then, you know, and I get paid to do what I love full time, then praise be
0: to God. But I want to do ministry the rest of my life. I think one of the things that often doesn't happen next to the things that, Christina, you pointed out already, is that we look at ourselves and say, what are the subtleties that I don't even notice? Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a lot of sins that we categorize as the big sins, you know, you shouldn't do this, don't kill anybody, don't hurt anybody, don't slip around. All those kinds of things are the big things. And yet they're the small things that are just as hurtful, pride, greed. Uh, Paul talks about the greed, particularly Mm -hmm. Uh, power, a feeling of power. Mm -hmm. You mentioned that with standing up front. That's a feeling of power. I'm in control and I can tell people what to do and they listen to me. These are all very subtle things that we often don't even admit in -hmm. in ourselves. And it's through prayer and it's through the Bible that Paul was a very unglamorous preacher. We say, well, he was the big guy. He made tents all week. Mm -hmm. And then on Sabbath, when he was supposed to be dead, he would go and preach mm-hmm. uh, and he was a tanner he went out and to get that leather for that that was a smelly awful job much like a garbage man today that was the, the and he said i don't care whether i'm in the garbage company and do that the mm-hmm. most unglamorous job yeah.
2: i think of a good example too is peter when he was when he was walking on water jesus walking on water and he when he was looking to jesus he didn't sink mm-hmm but when he was like oh look at me i'm walking on water Mm -hmm. that's when he began to fall and i think that's a perfect example in our lives today that we have to constantly be looking towards jesus like why am i doing this it's for jesus Mm -hmm. and if our focus is on jesus then you know pride greed all those other things won't matter Mm -hmm. it won't be an issue because our focus will be there
0: I think that is exactly the point, is it about Jesus? And that's what our text, our our key text in in verse 4 was all about. Is it about God or is it about ourselves? Mm -hmm. Is it about God's grace shining through us or is it about me being empowered or being a a great person? And Paul modeled that, and we can learn so much from that. Thank you so much for being on the show and contributing your ideas and sharing with that. We could go on and on. (laughs) There's an exciting topic, and there are a lot of applications. Thank you so much for getting us thinking into that direction. If you would like to contact us, please visit our website at www.sabbathschoolu.org. That's www.sabbathschool, the letter U, dot O-R-G. Remember, the goal of Bible study is information and transformation. And you know it. It's for the head and for the heart. For Sabbath School U, I'm Ica Mueller. We'll see you next week.